American poet. He's a fellow Gen Xer. Christian Wyman published an interesting poem earlier this year. Here's a little part of it. He said, all my friends are finding new beliefs. This one converts to Catholicism, and this one to trees. Paleo, keto, zone, South Beach, bourbon, exercise regimen so extreme she merges with the machine. He closes it out by saying this, all my friends are finding new beliefs, and I'm finding it harder and harder to keep track of the new loves and the new gods and the old loves and the old gods. Here's a powerful thought. Have, have you experienced that in your life where you've changed your beliefs about something? Uh, we all just inherit these beliefs from our parents, from the people around us. We grow up being taught this is how the world is, this is what's true, this is what's not true. And then as we go through life, we run into people who think differently than we do. I remember distinctly the first time this happened to me. It was in kindergarten, first day of class. I was talking to a kid. I couldn't believe how many things he was just so wrong about. So I punched him. And we both got in trouble, and then we became the best of friends. How easy or how difficult do you find it to change your mind about things? where you just firmly believe this is the way things are. This is just, it's so obvious, I don't even need to talk about it. And then you run into someone else who says, no, it's like this, or, or you just come to realize, I don't think this is true anymore. Is that difficult for you? Is that easy for you? Have you done that a lot in your life? Have you done this maybe never? One of the great things I see coming out of the global pandemic and the mess that this year has been is that it has caused a lot of people to reexamine their beliefs. Things that they thought were just sure and assured and never changing have changed, and the rug has been pulled out of, from underneath the people, and things that they thought they could count on, they can't count on. This is why I told you earlier this year, Google searches for the terms, is God real, skyrocketed to number one. You can't have a higher search than that was through March, April, and May as this pandemic really unfolded, followed closely by, am I going to hell? So I think what's happening here is God is using this time, he didn't cause it, but he's using this time to help a lot of people re-examine their faith and their beliefs and suggesting maybe you believe some things that aren't helpful to you, maybe it's time to re-examine them and change your story. It reminds me of a TED Talk I saw by Harvard psychiatrist Dr. John Sharp. It's one of the best ones I've ever seen. It's called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. He says that many of us have a story in our head about our life that's just factually not true. Or you're overemphasizing the wrong parts and underplaying other parts. Do you ever find yourself doing this? You just can't stop thinking about the dumb thing you said 10 years ago. Meanwhile, all the wonderful things you've done in your life, your brain doesn't bring those to your mind when you wake up in the middle of the night. So he's saying, your story needs a re-edit. Think about it this way. You're not watching your life as if it's unfolding on Netflix. You realize that, right? You, we're not passively consuming our lives. We are content creators. We have editing control. God has given this. So he, what he said in this talk I thought was so helpful is, go back and rethink your life. And I think it's helpful for us. We've come into Christmas now. We call this series Christmas Remixed. If, if things really are in turmoil, if it's causing us to question a lot of our beliefs, maybe we need to go back and say, have I been accurate in what I've held on to? Is this a time that God wants to get my attention and change my beliefs? It's a perfect time at Christmas as we think about Jesus, God coming into the world and becoming one of us. I would like you to consider today what you believe about Jesus. Some of you already believe in him. You say, well, do you want me to change my beliefs in Jesus? Well, I want you to think about it because there's not anything quite like a faith that's been tested and you've come to believe that it's true. So if you believe in Jesus, I want you to at least think about it and consider why do I believe in Jesus and you'll come out on the other end of it stronger, I believe. But if you haven't yet believed and trusted in Jesus, I would love for you to do that today, right now. If you're watching online, I would invite you to seriously consider your relationship with Jesus and to consider changing it if you don't believe in him now. You might be thinking like, wait a minute. 
It seems a little hasty to just ask me to change my whole life and my whole faith and my whole belief system. But you understand that people do this all the time. I'm not asking you to do something unreasonable. People have come into contact with the truth and immediately changed their mind in a moment all the time. And in particular, when it comes to Jesus, people for 2,000 years now have been doing it. Let me just show you a few examples from the Bible. If you've got one of these or if you've got a smartphone app with the Bible, I'd invite you to start following through with me. Uh, Just go ahead and give you one example from the uh, earlier days of the church. In Acts chapter 8, we find uh, that there was an Ethiopian who was a high-ranking official in the Ethiopian government who had gone to Jerusalem to worship because he appreciated the Jewish faith. He'd gone to the temple there. He was on his way back home, and he was reading from the Bible, a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. It's in your Bible. You can read it yourself. And God recognized there was something in his heart that would be open to Jesus, so God sent a Christian leader named Philip to actually be on the road that this Ethiopian official was driving by in his chariot on, Philip heard him reading Isaiah out loud, starts walking alongside the chariot, says, hey, do you recognize, do you understand what you're reading? Which sounds a little weird to us. If somebody was running alongside my car, I'd be freaked out. But in this era, it was okay. And the Ethiopian in the carriage said, well, how can I understand it if I don't have someone to explain it? This is a really polite conversation. What he was saying is, come on in. You sound like you know a little bit of something about this. Would you explain it to me? So Philip got in the carriage with this guy explained starting from Isaiah about Jesus so much so the Ethiopian during this Uber ride just decided to put his faith in Jesus. He said, I believe. He pointed out the window and said, there's water right there beside the road. What's keeping me from being baptized? In that one ride, changed his mind about Jesus, committed to him fully. People, intelligent people do this. Go over to Acts chapter 9. A man named Saul, who was a Jewish leader who believed in his heart of hearts that he was doing God a favor by trying to stamp out this new Christian faith, was on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus to go arrest Christians and put them in jail and kill them. And he had a literal come-to-Jesus meeting. Right in the middle of the road, there was this bright light. Saul was thrown to the ground. He couldn't see a thing. The voice came out of heaven of Jesus and said, Saul, why are you doing this to me? And Saul said, who are you? Lord, what are you talking about? He said, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. In that moment, Saul changed his mind. Now, three days later, he was baptized. He made it official. But in that moment, he believed. People change their mind when they run into truth immediately. Same Saul. His name is now Paul. He goes by his Roman name also, Paul. He's in the Greek city of Philippi in Acts chapter 16. He goes to a place of prayer by the river. There's some ladies there praying. He starts talking to them about Jesus. One of the people there was Lydia. She was a wealthy businesswoman. She became a Christian that morning, was baptized in the river right then, and her whole family decided to be baptized too. Everybody said, this is true. God opened their heart to believe it. And then later in the same town, maybe a few weeks later, a little bit while later, a blue-collar prison guard and his entire family were baptized into Jesus in the middle of the night. It was midnight, and they heard about Jesus, and they accepted him. What I'm saying is, this is not unreasonable at all. People have done this all the time. You go down to Acts chapter 26. Same Paul. He's now been arrested himself. The the person who used to kill Christians is now a Christian, and now he's imprisoned himself. He's on his way to make an appeal in his court case before the Roman emperor, And along the way, he stops, and he has a a hearing in front of Portius Festus, who was one of the highest-ranking governing officials in the Roman Empire in this area. And all the VIPs are in the auditorium as Paul is supposed to make his case. 
So you have Portius Festus, you have King Agrippa, his sister Queen Bernice, there are other high-ranking military officials in the room. It's just a whole bunch of lawyers, it's a whole bunch of important people, and Paul is supposed to make a legal defense. What he did is he just preached the gospel, the good news about Jesus, and he was very good at it. You come down here to Acts 26 and verse 27, Paul even offered an invitation. He says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Agrippa quickly interrupted him. Paul, you think you can persuade me so quickly to become a Christian? Paul replied, whether quickly or not, I pray to God that both you and everyone in here in this audience might become the same as I am, except for the chains. Yes, I really think you can change your mind, Agrippa, because when you encounter truth, God has given you the authority and the permission to change your story. You don't have to check with someone else stink it through and if you realize it's truth you have the authority and the ability to say i'm embracing this i used to believe this but now i'm going to believe this for two thousand years now people have been doing this in regards to jesus they've been putting their faith and their trust in jesus because they recognize it's truth so i guess another question you might have about this is number well can i even do that but then why would i want to so the bible presents some pretty compelling reasons by why anyone would want to trust jesus you can accept them or not, but you need to at least think about what God is offering before you choose to accept or reject it. There are so many, but I just want to give you three. For me, just to make it very simple, it comes down to what God does with our past, our present, and our future when he talks about what he's offering us through Jesus. Here's the first one. God will forgive all of your past wrongs. Completely just wipe it out. God transform you, transforms you by forgiving you immediately, instantly, doesn't matter what you've done, how long you did it, who you did it with, it, it's, it's forgiven. He truly wipes it out. Anybody can, like Acts chapter 10, verse 43, everyone who believes in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. And then in the Bible in Romans 3, 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So what you notice here is there's no loopholes, there's no exceptions. It's not like, this works for 99% of the people. There are a couple of you, and you know who you are, that this isn't going to work for. No, and you know what you did, and no, it's not like that. Anyone who comes to Jesus can be accepted and forgiven, and everything you've done is gone. Your past can be forgiven. And you think about what God does in your present day life. It's not just about what's back there. God will give you power for your present life. I don't know if you need that or not, but man, I could use some of that right now. If you need purpose in your life, and a lot of people don't have it, my experience is a lot of people are just drifting, and they're bouncing from thing to thing, and they're letting things happen to them instead of making things happen or choosing things, and it just feels like there's no control, and life is controlling you instead of you controlling it. I'm going to tell you this, just not trying to be disrespectful, but listen to your heart Maybe one of the dumber things that we've been told. It has its place, but it only do so much for you. Because if you're only listening to yourself, think of all the dumb things you've talked yourself into doing. Maybe you ought to be listening to God, seeking someone outside of yourself to give you an opinion about what you should be doing in this life, and he offers that to you. Start with your creator. He knows what's best for you. The Bible says in Colossians 1:16, through Jesus Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Everything was created through him, and it was created for him. I mean, you think about that. If, if he created you, he knows the best use of your life. Why would you not ask him what he thinks you should do with it? 
Give him an option. Give, give him the opportunity to speak a little bit of wisdom into your life, whether it's through prayer or through the, the wise people around you that you talk to through reading the Bible. You can't tell yourself what your purpose in life is because you didn't invent yourself. But God doesn't expect you to figure it out on your own. He wants to help you. And if you'll ask him, he will. You know, another thing that I see, and again, I'm not trying to judge anyone, but in our culture, I understand that right now, it's really hard to figure out who we are. We wrestle a lot with our identities. Uh, there's a lot being made about, I could choose my identity, and I want to create this identity that I project to the world. And that's fine. I understand that. And I understand part of the developmental process in our lives is to try on different hats. Well, what if, it's, what if I did this? What if I was that? That's fine. At the end of the day, God has an identity that he wants to give you. So I, I find this fascinating. People want to create a platform for themselves to speak to the world authentically. How much more authentic could you be than to say, this is the identity that God gave me? It's truly authentic. Nobody can, like, why do you say you are what you are? Well, God says this is what I am. Okay, the argument's over. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.11, listen to this. Because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God because he has chosen us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So I think about something else that the Bible says in Ephesians is a little bit further down. It says we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He's got some wonderful things that he wants you to do. There's some things in the world that won't happen unless you do them because you're the one that he made to do it. And somebody else is kind of trying to hack their way doing the thing you're not doing until you show up and say, hey, I'm really actually good at this, and I think God put me here to do this, and so here I go. There's nothing quite like that, and some of you know the joy of that, to know this is what I was made to do. And you're like, you're inside, you're going, yeah, I kind of sometimes get that sense that this is what God made me to do. And I feel for some of you who haven't found that yet, but I'm telling you that God will help you find your purpose in your present day life. And I want you to understand this too. When you start trying to follow God's pathway for your life, you're going to realize real quickly you can't do it on your own. You're going to need his help. And he's more than happy to offer it to you. There's power that God will make available to you to do things that you could never do on your own. If God puts a thought in your head and a dream for your life and you go, well, this is, it's obviously not me because this is too big for me. Congratulations, you just found God's purpose for your life. It is too big for you, but it's not too big for you and God together. I think that a lot of people could use some help from God right now. I've been hearing for a long time about how tired people are. You don't need to raise your hand, but are you tired? This, before COVID hit, I remember last year at Christmas, and I was looking back through some of my old Christmas messages, it seemed like every year I had to talk about how hard Christmas was on us. How in the world does something that's supposed to be a time of joy with our families, gift-giving, remembering Jesus, how does it become something that's a burden and a stress and a source of struggle? And then 2020 hits. This is probably not the Christmas anybody imagined they would have been having. It's like somebody said, hey, I finally got eight hours of sleep, and it only took three days. We're tired. What if this is a gift from God saying, look, y'all need me, and for a long time I've let you live with the illusion that you don't, but I'm just going to take a little bit of the barrier away and let you see what life without me is like so that you'll reach out to me, so that you'll find me. And I'm telling you right now, if you're struggling best thing you could do is just pray an honest prayer to God saying, I think I've been doing this the wrong way and I need your help. There is a powerful, powerful 
prophecy in Isaiah. It's a word that was originally given to the people of Israel, but I think it's a word for us too. I just want you to drink this in if you're just kind of struggling right now. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? God brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of God's great power and his incomparable strength, not a one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, and he gives strength to the powerless. I want to go back and read two phrases from this. We're going to leave a blank that's going to be on the screen. I want you to put your own name in there. You, put your name right there. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Put your name here. How can you say that God ignores your rights? This is for you. This is what God is offering you through Jesus. It's not just about forgiving your sins. It's about fixing what's going on right now in your world, giving you a sense that no matter how hard things are, it's going to be okay. This isn't talking about the power of positive mental attitude. This isn't self-help. This isn't you know, find the inner strength within you. This is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if you find yourself at the end of your rope and you're about to quit and give in, give up, throw in the towel, call it quits, I want you to know that there's something more available to you that is beyond you and it's outside of you and it is good and it is perfect and it's for you, not against you. It is the love of God and it's there for you and it is very real. Wherever you are right now, I'm talking to you. God is for you, not against you. And he cares about you very much, and he wants to give you power for your life right now, which is something else that I find so fascinating, that God is in our past and our present, but he's also in our future. There is so much awaiting you. No matter how bad things get right now, your graph is going to trend up. Trust me. The Bible tells us this. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not back during the Daring Faith campaign. I think all of you did. We're just going to assume you did, but if you didn't, let me just quote Chad Remley. He's one of our elders, and he said something very powerful in, in their testimony video. Let me just say this. He said, I see people who are afraid of death and afraid of life. It's like we're leading people here at Connection to not have the fear of either. You just go out and you live your best life and try to bring as many people to God through Christ. If you do that and you know where you're going when it's all said and done, you don't have to fear either one. And I said it better. Thank you for letting me quote you there. This is just what we're doing here. This is a promise that we have that no matter what happens to me in this life, it's going to be okay because God's controlling my future as well, and he's promised me so much good. And this isn't just like pretty words that you can put on your wall in your, your office or your bedroom. This is true. The Bible says in Romans eight eleven, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, and just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your immortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. This is literal. 1 Corinthians 6.14, God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. 1 Corinthians 15.20, the truth is Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries. I understand this is a hard year. I know that a lot of us are looking at a Christmas where there's one less person, and that leaves a hole in our lives and in our hearts. I have no qualms at all about saying, I'm going to see these people that I love again. And if you're in Christ, you know that's true, too, for you. This isn't just like, okay, once upon a time. This is real stuff. 
And when you trust in Jesus, it becomes a part of your real story. Eternal life is not just pretty words. It is a factual reality that we can look forward to. And I know that, you know, we're celebrating Jesus' birth now at Christmas, and that's great that we do that. He didn't ask us to do it, but I think he's okay with it. I'll remind you, though, if Easter hadn't happened, there wouldn't be a need for Christmas. So we think about what we're doing right now. We have to think about the whole thing that Jesus does for us. I want you to be a part of this. Some of you have already done this, but if you haven't committed your life to Jesus, how do you do that? The Bible's really clear. You just believe in Jesus. John 6, 29 says this. This is, and Jesus actually said this. This is the only work God wants from you to believe in the one that God has sent. He wants you to believe in Jesus. And I love this. If you look in Romans 10, 9, it says, if you openly declare Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, there's no loophole here. There's no probably going to work most of the time. This will work for you. When you say Jesus is Lord and you say he's your master, he's your boss, you will be saved. And when Jesus is your Lord, he becomes the leader of your life. I remember where it was. I remember some time back I was driving past some, a gas station near here and it said under new management. And I thought, how bad does a gas station have to be that the way to get people to come back is that we're under new management? I wonder if maybe you need a sign under, you know, under new management. I'm, I'm a better person than I used to be because now I'm a Christian. Jesus is my Lord. It's going to be okay. You're going to have a better experience with me now that I'm a Christian. But when you commit to Jesus, he can change your entire life. <coughs> Excuse me. I know I'm saying this. I understand that some of you are walking around with a false story about God running around in your head, and it's a story of how God didn't come through for you or that God is not real or you prayed and you need this thing and God didn't come through. I'm telling you, you can re-edit that story. You can reconsider God's place in your life, and it can change. And you say, well, Brian... And I don't know if you think this or not. Like, why should I trust you? Well, number one, I'm standing on the authority of this. The, the, the word of God is where I gain my authority to tell you anything. I'm not making this stuff up. I wouldn't even dare do that. But I'll tell you, my own personal experience doesn't contradict this either. I'm not trying to put my experience up on the level of Scripture, but I've been a Christian a long time. I just celebrated my Christian, my spiritual birthday. It was December 12th. Actually, my daughter Abby and I, she's not here today, but uh, I'm sure she's watching online, though. We both share the same Christian birthday. We were baptized on December 12th. Mine was like hmm, 145 years ago, December 12th, 1976. What that means, and I love all of you, but that means I've been friends with God literally longer than any of you, unless my parents are watching right now. And I can tell you, in all of that time, nothing has happened that has changed my mind about Jesus. There is nothing that has ever happened that has made me said I made the dumbest mistake I ever made in my life and to the contrary I have never regretted any moment that I followed Jesus and I have no problem whatsoever telling you inviting you asking you challenging you urging you to do this you need Jesus in your life I don't know how people are going through 2020 without him and some of you know how hard it is with him but it doesn't have to be hard anymore you can accept him right now the Bible says in John 1, 12, to all who believed in Jesus, who accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. I so much want you to become a child of God if you aren't a Christian right now. You can start by praying a prayer that says, Jesus, I believe in you. God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. 
And I want you to know if you do that, God will save you. We'll put you in the baptistry. We're ready to do that every Sunday. And you can go in and do what other Connection Christians have done and declare your faith in Jesus by going in the water and being buried in water and being raised. You can write your name on the wall next to the, all the other Connection Christians who have done the same exact thing. Your story can change today. I want you to seriously consider doing something with this today. Commit to Jesus, recommit to Jesus. You can do that right now. Let me pray with you. Father, I'm so thankful for the love that you have for us. I'm thankful that you sent Jesus. And Jesus, as we remember here at Christmas time, there are so many people who don't know you, but I know that you're changing that through us. Help us to tell your story well. Help people's hearts to be open to hear it, the love that you have for us that started in heaven and finishes with us in eternity with you. I pray for anyone who's not in your family to say yes. Just lead them to do their next right thing. Father, I pray for all the people who are grieving right now at Christmas that you will give them comfort as they mourn. As, uh, just give them an assurance of what is true, that there is a hope that's beyond anything we could ever imagine. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for you know, coming today and being part of this. And I would invite you, if you have anything that you want to talk about, if there's anything that you are you know, thinking about as a, a decision, we want to continue this conversation. We want to consider uh, this a time where this isn't the end of the service. This is the beginning of a, a longer conversation. Now, this is Dave Fails. He's one of our elders here. And if you would like to talk to someone or pray with them, he will certainly take all the time you need as well as I would. Uh, I want to invite you to do two things, too. If you're newer here, just come up and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. Uh, if you are part of the Connection family, remember that tonight we have this incredible program at 5 and 6 o'clock. I need you to go online to sign up for a spot. Or if you're watching online, join in as well. Uh, the 6 o'clock service, if you're a little bit concerned about the crowd, has a little more room, so you can sign up for that. Another thing that I'm so excited that our church family is doing is we are doing the meals on Christmas Eve to anyone who needs one, whether someone's in need or if they just are tired and just can't see themselves fixing a meal. We'd love to make a meal for them. So they can go online and they can sign up for a meal. We need a few more volunteers. Many of you have already graciously agreed to serve that afternoon, but you go to connectionchristian.org. You can sign up for a meal or you can sign up to volunteer. We need, I think, like 18 more volunteers and then we'll be done. So there you go. There's a few ways to get involved this Christmas season. And I hope to see you tonight. Would you stand as we close for our blessing and our benediction? May the love of God the Father and the peace of Jesus Christ and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit be with you all.